uh, all these, uh, Henry County, Clayton County, these are suburban counties, and they were totally run by whites for many, many years, and very conservative, by the way, and that's all changed. So even though the dynamic for Atlanta itself has changed somewhat, those uh, suburban counties who turned out in great numbers to shift the entire paradigm for the U.S. Senate with uh, Warnock and Ossoff all came from these this outward migration. But still, the fundamentals are from Atlanta. That's where the roots grow. This is where all people know that you vote all the time. Runoffs. The only place in the country where African Americans turn out in runoffs is in Atlanta. That's why uh, Kasim Reed won by only 500 votes in a runoff. Uh, that's why Keisha Lance Bottom won 500 votes in a runoff. African Americans turn out all the time because that's the history of Atlanta. Dr. King, the civil rights movement, the, uh, the colleges and universities, everything about Atlanta is geared towards making certain that we understand how precious the right to vote is. And of course, you know, we lost the, the paragon, uh, John Lewis, uh, back in July of last year. Think how, how much he wanted to understand that voting was fundamental. And of course, there's the John Lewis voting rights bill, which is still bottled up in Congress. If we can get something that will stop these, uh, these places, Georgia, uh, Arizona, Texas, and these, uh, these insane efforts to try to stop people from voting, it's, it's almost uh, it's un-American. But yet they're trying to do that in some way as a, as, a, as a tribute to Donald Trump's efforts to try to undermine the legitimacy of the election. So African-Americans are going to have an African-American mayor in Atlanta. There's almost no doubt about that. But the migration outward has made a real difference also. So I think you can be rest assured that Atlanta and perhaps Georgia, again, will play a leading role uh, in, in the politics of the country. We often talk on this show about uh, the role that voting plays. And then I, I get people all the time who say, man, you always talk about voting, and, and we don't see it. And, and what I'm constantly trying to do is play connect the dots, trying to get people to understand that there's a direct correlation between who gets elected, contracts, uh, services. Uh, Maynard Jackson uh, wins uh, in uh, in early 70s. African Americans were getting 0.0012% of all city contracts. Right. And so you don't have the economic shift in uh, Atlanta without combining the political power that shifted the economic paradigm. Yeah. But you know, as, as the mayor just stated, you know, we've created new cities uh, around Atlanta also. Uh, the city of South Fulton is 90, uh, 92% African American, and it's the fourth largest city in the state. And we just created that five years ago. And uh, and, and what has happened with that, and with uh, all of the migration that you talked about into these other cities and these other counties, uh, we have been able to change the, the, the dynamic uh, around the economic piece uh, because we now control it. We control and, and again, the for the people who don't understand, we talk about the, the, the economic piece. We're talking about bond elections. We're yeah. talking about uh, all type of uh, contracts that are coming out of the city, out of the school district, out of the county. Yeah, even, even simple things. You know, you, you, the school systems, the city, the government, got to buy toilet paper. Got to buy it from somebody. You know, so if we had a contractor, a black contractor selling toilet paper, you know, he'd be doing pretty good right now. Because uh, I'm assuming everybody uses it, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. Guarantees in life, wiping your ass. <laughs> See, this show is called Rolling Mark Unfiltered, so we can say wiping your ass. But that's my point. Because it's black home. We need to own it. But that's what we need to do with more things. We need to own it. 
And uh, one of the, the, the issues that we have in Georgia, uh, I'm, a, I'm a state representative, so the issue that you just talked about for Atlanta, that exists in the state. We have less than uh, 2% of the state contracts going to African-American businesses, which is crazy. We represent, uh, we, we spend uh, $26 billion in state money, and then another $26 billion in federal money. And less than 2% of that goes to African-American uh, companies. So uh, you're right. We, we've got to find ways to own it and to be able to control who gets the contracts. And you do that by turning out the vote and putting people in place to make the decisions around contracts and all the other things you're talking about. And, and the reason I brought that up, because what has happened is, we talk about uh, those state contracts, uh, you've had state folks who have been desperately trying to get hold of that airport. Well, interestingly enough, um, the airport, which is named half for the person who really was responsible for the growth of our airport, Lena Jackson, um, every brick, every flight has all been done by African-American mayors, uh, starting with Lena Jackson all the way through. So when you see the busiest airport in the world, and you understand the billions and billions of dollars of contracts of, of uh, those people who work in and around the airport, all as a result of the African-American leadership coming from the mayor's office. But also, let's go back to the, the fundamentals about why it's important to have these elections and voting. Because in each of these places that you talked about, Roland, uh, they are electing African-American district attorneys. So the fundamental issue of, the, of justice, which almost always comes from district attorneys, you know, there's so much talk about the federal government or, or uh, but it's decisions are made on a local level, and they're made by DAs, and these DAs really have no oversight. So the fact that Cobb County... Because they are the chief law enforcement officer. Absolutely, and, they, and they, are, they are a power unto themselves. But now with these elections in these suburban counties, who were almost invariably, they were white and conservative and more likely Republican, that's all changed now. So we're now seeing a paradigm shift, and that makes a real difference in the, in the dispensation of justice. So I think you have a real appreciation for what Atlanta has meant and what it now means for these outlying counties who are now being changed fundamentally. And I, I will continue to say that this election is going to be essential for where we go as a country. I, I believe we are now in an existential battle for the heart and soul of America. Uh, it's not just the mask or the vaccines. Uh, it's about whether or not we're going to move forward or whether or not we're going to allow Trumpism uh, to take us back. Um, and so I think that's what you have to understand. The voting in California today uh, on a recall election, all of this is about the efforts to undermine democracy. Mm -hmm. And every election now, think about this. If the Republicans win, it's a good election. If they lost, right. it was stolen. So I, the, that's a heads I win, tails you lose. I mean, there's no way you could ever have any sort of assurance that we're going to have the kind of democracy that we've had and relied on in the past. That's why voting is so fundamental. And, of course, this was uh, ground zero uh, earlier this year for uh, the uh, voter suppression bill that went through uh, the legislature. Uh, because, and, and look, it's a fight for democracy, but I also keep laying out that we're also battling white fear. That what this is really about is scared to death that black people are turning out, scared to death uh, that Native Americans are turning out, others are turning out, and they see what is coming. Because they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to do in other parts of the country what white folks in Atlanta learned. Yeah. They had to share the power and the money. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 democracy is worth 
like democracy. That's what I'm not working for. Right. So, I mean, deep in my heart, I really believe that they're trying to change the form of government that we have. Oh, no, no, no. That, that's not just only your heart. But that's in reality. Yeah. That's what the takeover of the Supreme Court was about. That's what uh, control of the federal uh, bench was about. Because if you do have black folks who are in power, if they sue, they go to the federal court, they can always throw those laws out. They throw them out. And that, that's what this is all about. It's changing it so that they can stay in control. You know, we were talking the other night, and it's almost like apartheid. You know, that they want to uh, they want to take us back to what South Africa used to be and, uh, and, and be able to control it as a minority. You know, when you look at this, this filibuster that they're doing in Washington, that's the minority controlling the majority. Right. And uh, so they're trying to do that in Washington. They're trying to do it here in Georgia. They're trying to do it all over the country. And people better pay attention. You know, I, we were talking earlier, and I'm scared to death about what's happening in California. If, if they overthrow, if they uh, get rid of that governor, and that black guy goes in there, and he changes the form of government that we have in Washington, I mean, a black person being responsible for changing the balance of power in the United States against black people, I, I, it's hard for me to fathom that. Oh, well, first of all, I mean, first of all, Larry Elder is one of the most evil, demented individuals uh, out here, and, and he's a brother that Harry Tubman would have left behind. Yeah, or, or thrown or shot him. And I ain't got, look, I ain't, look, I, I don't mince words. I don't play, you know, I saw some tweet by Megyn Kelly that uh, she talked about how dare these folks criticize this man's daddy uh, went through Jim Crow. I was like, well, clearly his damn son didn't learn nothing. Uh, and so I, I, they, they must went to the, they went to, went to the school of Clarence Thomas being raised. I don't know what the hell's going on there. But, 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 the, but, but the thing that, uh, the last question for both of you uh, is, is this here, though. I believe, though, that there, there are a lot of people out there who say, okay, I hear you, but they don't, they don't see or feel the impact of voting. And so... No, they do. They actually do. Well, they just don't appreciate it. Well, because but, 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 the schools... It's, it's the, right, but, but, the but, but, but that has to be properly explained. Because I, what I'm saying is, it's not going to work to say, somebody died for your right to vote. they like, okay, sorry, that ain't flying with me. And so, to, I fundamentally believe that we have to have a resurgence of citizen education workshops and class that walk folks through that. Because, again, for that person who who doesn't watch this show, or they, they're not reading the newspaper, they're not are looking at sites, they're just kind of like, man, I don't see it, I don't feel it, all of those sound the same. And so we've got to walk folks through that. Uh, and that means going back to those neighborhoods and going back to uh, precinct captains and block captains and literally retraining because you do not have the level of uh, the, uh, citizenship training in school that you used to have. But that's how Ossoff and Warnock were elected here in Georgia. It was a door-to-door effort. It was re-educating. It was getting people back to the polls, the old fundamental ways of making certain that you're contacting your neighbors, your relatives. Right. And that's and, what actually happened right, in but, Georgia. Right, but what I'm saying is that has to happen when the election is over and then the off year and saying we need you coming to the city council meeting, the state board, the, the school board meeting, right. the state legislature, because again, we're very good to me at mobilizing around the election, but the election is the end of one process, right. it's the beginning of another. We've got to do it year-round is, is the bottom line, and we got to do it early on. They're not teaching these kids anything about black history in schools. Uh, well, they're fighting. They're, they're, they're fighting. fighting right. They're, they're fighting. Which is why we got to launch, relaunch yeah. freedom schools. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to have grandma and grandpa having, you know, come, come to Jesus and meet right at home. And we need to invite the neighbors over just to your point. We've got to go back.
politics are destiny. And what that means is that the fact that uh, more young people are voting, uh, Asians are voting uh, Democratic, uh, Hispanics are voting uh, Democratic, uh, more African-Americans are turning out and voting, uh, more suburban women are voting Democratic. It's destiny. And that's why you're seeing the efforts to try to literally stop people from voting. That's, but that's not going to work ultimately. We just got to make certain, as you say, to educate and motivate well, it's destiny in some places. Uh, the Texas Monthly just had an article how a number of Latinos in South Texas yep. uh, flipped in a huge way, two or three hundred percent, going from uh, Hillary Clinton voters to Donald Trump voters. Uh, and Democrats uh, were just sort of assuming that was going to continue. Uh, but many of they're them, not monolithic. They're not right, monolithic. right, right, right. But, but 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 many of them are identifying with white values as opposed to minority values. But again, that's where to me the education has to come in. And so at the end of the day, for us. We can't wait on anybody else. We've got, to, we've got to maximize our numbers. Gentlemen, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, got to go to break. We come back. We're going to talk about COVID, its impact on this state, uh, and what we are going to do to ensure that African Americans are fully aware of uh, getting vaccinated. Also, we'll talk about uh, black economics in Atlanta, but also broadly across the country. All of that and more as we have the special edition of Roller Park Unfiltered from the Just Brothers meeting here in Atlanta. We'll be back on Roller Park Unfiltered, the Black Star Network, in a moment. I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing. The challenges, there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them. But I'm able to say, watch out, people. I know this road. That is so freaking dope. <laughs> some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. And so I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down the, it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they did about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many, many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket screen. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that. But if I wanted to also, unlike other, because if I flip it and turn it over, it actually gives me a different type of texture. And so therefore, it gives me a different look. So there you go. So uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these Shibori pocket squares, we have them in 47 different colors. All you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website, uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, 
Uh, Y'all seen me with some of the Feather Pocket Squares. My sister is a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. And when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, Feather Pocket Squares uh, right there at rollinessmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And, of course, uh, that goes to support the show. And, again, if you're a Brina Funk Fan Club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. Hopefully put another nail in the corporate racism. You talk about awakening America, it led to a historic summer of, of protest. I hope our younger generation don't ever forget that nonviolence is soul force. Uh, to feature 
uh, voices that one you're not going to see on CNBC, Bloomberg, ABC, NBC, CBS. And so we've had a number of businesses that we feature every Tuesday. Uh, because I, I get these people tell me, man, you need to have this person on and this person on. You need to have Paul Anderson or you need to have uh, this expert. And I said, well, I can have people on who can talk about the need for black-owned businesses. Or I can actually have the black-owned businesses <laughs> talk about what they actually do. Uh, and, 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 and that, to me, Tom, is, is, really, is really where we are and where we have to be because at the end of the day, it's not just about having a business. Right. It's building capacity and growing it. You know, pre-COVID, there were 2.6 million black-owned businesses in America, but 2.5 million only had one employee. Yeah, right. Average revenue, 54,000. And I said, no disrespect, if, if you had, if you got this one employee, I said, no disrespect, that's not a business. Right. So we only are dealing with 100,000 black-owned businesses with more than one employee. That is not going to get it if we're talking about being able to move forward in the future. And we gotta, we got to grow it, um, and that's important. I'm at a point now I never would have imagined. My father was an entrepreneur, and it took me 22 years in public safe, in public service to really get back around to it. But what I've understand with the most recent contract that I signed uh, back in April, uh, and I never would have imagined I'd be where I'm. I, I now will have exceeded 200 million since I started business. And but I spend a lot of my time helping other businesses to grow because that's very important. And and working, I work with Michael's father. His father is a legend. And we designed uh, the diversity and inclusion programs at Hartsfield Jackson, thanks to the great man of Jackson, who started a program that still exists, been tested in all the courts. But we designed the uh, diversity and inclusion program for uh, his father that managed that $5.3 billion expansion. We did $1.6 billion, mainly with African-American-owned business. You have to be intentional, but you got to have leadership. But also, we had to train people. We did financial management, construction business management institute. We did all of those things. But our businesses know how to do the work. But they got to also understand how to manage the money how to make sure they value their employees. But with that, you also got to have leadership that understands it should be inclusive. As Maynard told the people, corporate Atlanta, if you don't pay the way to make sure that African-American business owners get a piece of the action, then we won't build a new airport. And he held out until they... And said there will be tumbleweeds going <laughs> down the right way. Right. Well, but, 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 Michael, that, that's the thing right there that, that I keep saying all across the country of this new crop of, of black leaders, they've got to have that level of courage. Uh, and then, uh, granted, uh, it was, you've had Supreme Court rulings uh, since uh, the early 70s, but there are still ways to be able uh, to get it done, but folks got to actually do it. You're right, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Those type of uh, political leaders are far few between today uh, who have the courage and the fortitude of a Maynard Jackson, but you do have them, and you're right, uh, Roland, it takes it takes a very intentional uh, focus to make it happen. And